Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Just a heads up for listeners that this episode contains discussion of sexual violence. Please listen with care. Whatever it takes. No, that's... Uh, <laughs> I know I can make it through. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. <laughs> if I hold out, if, if I, I do, I know I can make it through. All right, then it goes, be the best. The best that I can be. Do what I say to you. Whatever it takes, I know I can make it. I know I can make it through. I know I can make it through. Jesus Christ. I also just want to make sure you understand that um, I've been throwing my arms in the air uh, this whole time because you can't listen to it or sing it without doing that. Beyonce, you look like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashionable. Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue, a weekly podcast that revisits formative moments in pop culture that we still think about. Today on the show, I want to go there with the show that claimed to go there. Degrassi. <laughs> we're nasty. We're sassy. Because, baby, we're Degrassi. We are going to party. No party spin. Girls. No girls. Booze. No booze. Donuts. That we can do. If elected, I, JT York, will do what a real politician would do. Absolutely nothing. Why do you have to be so out of touch? Why do you have to be so mean? Go Degrassi! <laughs> I'm Josh Quinn. Degrassi, the great Canadian teen soap that seems to have a life with each iteration and each generation, the show finds a way to reinvent itself with new characters to speak to what teenagers might be facing in school. And let me tell you, these were my stories. So today, 
We're talking Degrassi, and the we I'm talking about is me, an extra special guest co-host. She's a pop culture writer, a broadcaster, a columnist, and she's Canadian, so she's extra qualified. Emil Niazi. Hi, Josh. Hi. I'm so excited about everything you just said, and I'm just honored <laughs> to be representing Canada on this podcast. Shout out, shout out, 6666. <laughs> So what's your relationship to the show? Well, I grew up on it. I literally had to watch Degrassi in school. And people are going to be aghast when I say that. But I mean, part of our curriculum was literally watching the Degrassi kids. And this is like, you know, I know that in America, it's really about the the next generation. Mm -hmm. But for us, like this goes back to the old, old school Degrassi cast as children and they were the kids of Degrassi Street and they would teach us like not to talk to strangers. Mm. And then the teens of Degrassi High are teaching us about things like teen pregnancy. And let me blow your mind. Mm -hmm. There is a real street called Degrassi in Toronto that these kids grew up on. So it's based in like an actual physical place in the city called Degrassi Street. Well, it's adorable. It. It's adorable. It. So to be clear, we're going to be talking about the next generation, which is like the early aughts iteration of the series. Mm-hmm. For the uninitiated, this is the version that Drake was on and that's all you need to know. That is all you need to know. Also, I support Megan Thee Stallion. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I remember when I was little, I used to love shows about, like, the big kids, you know, Mm -hmm. like, where you could sit there and imagine what your high school years were going to be like. (laughs) I'm just, like, imagining a time in which I was excited for high school. Yes, yeah, I know. Take me back. (laughs) Take me all the way back. And I remember there was, like, a lot of examples of this when I was little. Like, there was Moesha. There was Sister Sister. And then there were, like, the white ones, like <laughs> Dawson's Creek <laughs> and One Tree Hill. Yes. I mean, Gilmore Girls. Gilmore the Girls. OC. The OC. Yes. 90210. And pretty much all the shows that Mad TV was making fun of when they did that skit, Pretty White Kids with Problems. Have you seen this skit? It is so perfect. So apt. Lisa Loeb just walking through the hallway of a high school singing this theme song. But Degrassi, there's something that's different about it. And I can't put my finger on it, but I think that's what we're here to do today. I love that. So I love how this show is like your Canadian schoolhouse rock, but I want you to experience Degrassi like how I experienced it, where it was pure fun. I love that for me because I'm just getting like a re-education in how to enjoy this show instead of being like... Okay, I guess I'm going to get my notebook out and uh, take extensive notes. (laughs) Like, do I need to take notes? (laughs) And throughout the episode, we're going to hear some tidbits from actor Andrea Lewis, who brought us the iconic character, Hazel, from Degrassi. I love that. I love that, too. Okay, so I kind of want to set the scene a little bit for people who have never watched this show before. Do you remember in Mean Girls when Janice Ian and Damien walk Katie through the cafeteria and they're like, there's the burnouts, (laughs) there's the unfriendly black hotties. The greatest people you will ever meet. And the worst. Beware of the plastic. 
So I want to play a little rapid-fire name association game. I'm going to give you the name of a character, and I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind when you think of that character. Oh, okay, okay, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many characters for y'all to keep in mind. Like, this is by no means all of the characters, but, like, here are some of the major players. So, Paige. Paige? New year, new look, new Paige. Okay, Paige is like a plastic. Paige is the cool girl. Paige is the hot girl. She definitely had the bling on her sunglasses. Emma. You gave me a social disease. Uh, the good girl. The girl next door. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. Look, me and the mic, we coexist. My flow is a glass box with no exits. And you can observe why you trapped in it. Took my lady track and I'm trying some rap in it. They're telling me lies. I feel like Jimmy's like the nice guy with a bad boy seed. He wants mm. to be badder than he is, right? He wants to be the bad, but he's a good boy. Manny. Manny. I love Manny. He said, no visible underwear. Do you see any underwear? No. That's right. Because I'm not wearing any. Manny is like too big for this damn school. Mm. Needs to get out of high school, out of junior high, and blossom into the person that she's going to become. Yeah. So next up, Hazel. She was horrible to me. But can you tell me why you had to be more horrible back? Why you always have to be more horrible? Hazel, I mean, Hazel's a princess, right? Like, Hazel is... Yeah. I don't want to call her a mean girl. I don't think she is. But I mean... She, she walks down the hall and you're like, okay, Hazel's here. If Hazel sees my outfit, this could go one of two ways. It could be bad for me, right? <laughs> I definitely think of Paige and Hazel as, like, proto-plastics. Yes. They're definitely, like, from that same friend group, but have more empathy than Regina George. <laughs> like, Absolutely. You know I mean? Like, Hazel could cry. She, you know, she can be moved. Mm -hmm. She cares. But she just has to protect herself a little bit because when you're popular, there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. And Hazel knows that. With great power comes great responsibility. Exactly. <laughs> um, and we're going to be hearing from Andrew Lewis, who played Hazel later. Two more. JT. Oh, JT. That superfly taste is off the chain, yo. Hey, don't get off of my fries, dog. Where Jimmy's like wants to be the bad boy, but is secretly good. I feel like JT's like mm -hmm. secretly bad. And everyone like, <laughs> thinks he's kind of good, but I feel like he's actually kind of bad. I, I think that's right. I think he's like the perpetual younger brother. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like annoying and takes that on as like his personality. Yeah. Marco. Oh, Marco, all these beautiful girls and there's not one you like? You know, just to shut him up. I wanted to say, Papa, there is somebody I like, a guy. Marco. <laughs> I don't know what subgroup he'd be in. Like, maybe the guy that tries to play every table a little bit. And also, like, arts. arts. Mm -hmm. He's definitely wearing, like, a black and white sock on his arm. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Speaking of Marco, Adamo Ruggiero, who plays Marco, told the AV Club that Degrassi embodies a kind of camp that's, like, really specific to Canada. Is Degrassi just high camp? Yes, I love that. First of all, Canada is basically high camp. We, you know, <laughs> like, our whole deal is sort of being a bizarro version of you guys. But, I mean, I think a great... What my favorite parody of not just like teen culture, but of Canadian culture is Nick Kroll. On his show, his sketch show, he did this skit 
called Wheels Ontario, where he basically skewers just the whole universe of Degrassi. Mm -hmm. Tuck in your blouse, eh? We're not in Saskatoon anymore, Mom. People in Toronto don't tuck in their blouses. They want to dress well here, and I want to fit in, you know? Oh, well, don't try too hard. I got pregnant with you when I was in grade 13. Peer pressure, eh? Mom, our national health plan pays for abortions. But first, I got to get a girlfriend anyway, you know? And it's so perfect. The accents are so good because, you know, to us, we just sound normal. But when you hear mm -hmm. Nick Kroll doing the Canadian accent, you go, oh, right. This must sound like Twin Peaks <laughs> for kids. Right, right. And that's what I think, like, Degrassi really captures is this high camp, surreal, melodramatic, but rooted in authenticity sort of energy that always feels slightly off. Like, it really is sort of a Twin Peaks version of, of the OC or Dawson's Creek. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of gets into that, like, idea of forced realness. It feels real, but there's just something that's a little bit turned up too much for it to be yes, real. Yes, exactly. Because you still have to be compelled by these, like, children's lives. And so they do have to mm -hmm. dial it up. But there's always that underlying, like, yeah, this has either happened to me or it could happen to me or my friends are living this right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that aspect of constantly coming back to a sense of reality is what also makes it feel kind of camp. The stakes are like very mm -hmm. high and very low at the same time. Always, always. <laughs> There's always like an A plot that's like the worst day of someone's yes. life and a B plot that is the day that you forget. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> like someone is bringing a weapon to school, but also Marco's got that black and white sock on his arm. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, it won't fit. It won't fit. And we're like, okay, this is all happening in one episode. Very weird. And so I want to take a break, but we're going to come back and we're going to play a little game that we've cooked up. Ooh. If you're down. I'm down. Let's do right, this. Let's do it. <laughs> At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, my name is Andrea Lewis, and I played Hazel Aden on Degrassi. My favorite episode of Degrassi is definitely the Breakfast Club episode. Good morning, students. Glad you could all make it on a beautiful Saturday. But then, it's not like you had much choice. Welcome to detention. It has myself, Stacey Farber, Aubrey Graham, Daniel Clark, Jake Goldsby, and it just is iconic in my mind when I think about it, when I think about when we did it, just the whole entire thing. It was a great experience. We're going to play a game we've borrowed from the patron saint of this podcast, Tyra Banks. Yes. (laughs) Say more. There's this clip of her interviewing Beyonce, and she basically just takes a bunch of random trivia questions and gives them punny titles. So she'll be like, Seance. (laughs) Who would you like to talk to from the dead? Okay, next one. If I were Tolstoy, can you do a Russian accent? Fadalak. What fad did you succumb to when you were young? Spouse of Darion. I want to give you a wedding gift. Yes. You're looking at Beyonce's face and you're just realizing this is why she doesn't do interviews anymore. Oh my God. God bless Tyra. (laughs) God bless Tyra. So this game is called Degrassi, the next gamification. Here's how it works. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, a grab bag, if you will. They have nothing to do with each other, but they all have titles that are riffs on Degrassi, The Next Generation. Basically, it's my show and I do what I want. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Say on say, I'm ready to play. (laughs) Degrassi. The Next Good Vibration. We can't talk about Degrassi without discussing some of the original music from the show. Can you name the fake band that wrote the following haunting lyric? You took my body, tore it in half. You took my childhood, my heart, and my laugh. Oh, my God. Is it A, Zit Remedy, B, PMS, Paige Michael Chuck and the Sex Kittens, or C, Downtown Sasquatch? Oh, well, I mean, Zit Remedy was the band from the original Degrassi. I'm going to say it's B. 
It's me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's me. Next, Degrassi, the next hypersexualization of a minor. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about Manny before, mm -hmm. and one of the things I really liked about the way that they handled her character was that you saw her character evolve from this cute sidekick that wore limited two to <laughs> this one episode. It's called You Got the Look, where Manny decides to wear a thong but not just wear a thong, but like wear it like how people did in 2001, where you wore low rise jeans and the thong came up above your jeans. Mm -hmm. And it was like the moment where she felt like she went from cute to hot. My look still feels too tame or are cute. It's not this. This is what I need a thong. But it's perfect. What do you think? I think they shouldn't sell this. At the mall. So, Manny comes to school in this provocative outfit. And before she goes inside, she and her BFF Emma are discussing their missions for the year. Manny says, mine is to be hot instead of cute. What is Emma's mission? A, just getting through Spanish class. B, building a club at school dedicated to the environment. Or C, connecting with her stepdad, Snake. <sighs> Emma, you nerd. Um, C. No, it's not connecting with Snake. Don't tell it's me it's Spanish class. <laughs> it's not. It's building a club at school dedicated to the environment. Oh, they gotta Emma. save the ravine. This club will be my mission for the year. I'm calling it Sight. Students improving the environment. One here, my mission. I want to be hot. Yeah. I was actually also in the environment club, so. Really? You know. Yeah. I love that y'all had an environment club. Canada is so <laughs> advanced. Degrassi. The next devastation. Uh, <laughs> I, these are incredible. You're a genius. JT's death on Degrassi is one of the single most heartbreaking deaths on television. Do you remember this episode? Yeah, I do. It was very uh, sad. Do you remember what JT's last words were? Oh, Either no. A, my car sucks. Ha, ha, ha. You guys slay me with your humor. B, why don't you two take your butts back to Lakehurst where you belong, eh? C, Hey, listen up, you two. I'm just trying to get home. I don't want any trouble. D, hey, Liberty Girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, I want all of these to be the last words because they're remarkable. It's C? Is it C? No, it's A. My car a. sucks. Ha ha. You guys slay me with your humor. Oh, I get it. My car sucks. Ha ha. You guys slay me with your humor. Yeah, mascot boy. Laugh at this. Damn, wow. I was gonna say A. He JT. Went out, he went out. It was rough. That, that was, was rough. Like, damn. Honorary mention to Hey Liberty Girlfriend in a scene that pops up on Twitter like once a week. So you have JT, and he looks like a mini version of Jamie Lee Curtis. And he's pretending to be gay because he doesn't want to tell Liberty that he's not interested in her. So he like curls his wrist and throws on this super effeminate voice and this is what you get. Hey, Liberty Girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like ice oh grilling him. Oh my God. Hey, Liberty Girlfriend. <laughs> the last one. Degrassi. 
the next hip-hop sensation. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember when you found out that Drake was the same guy that was on Degrassi? Was was there a moment where you found out? For me, it was more like, I can't believe this huge rapper is Jimmy from Degrassi. I remember being a fan of the show, and me and my best friend Danny were at the Beverly Center, which is like a mall in L.A., and we saw him coming down the escalator. We were sitting in the food court, and I was like, is that Aubrey Graham? Because we were obsessed with Degrassi. Mm-hmm. So she knew mm-hmm. who, who he was. I knew who he was. Nobody else in the mall knew who he was. <laughs> and she's like, it is him. And I was like, I think I read on Oh No They Didn't, which was <laughs> a live journal community that gave you celebrity gossip, that he was working on music. And we both looked at each other and cackled. <laughs> and look at him now. And look at him now. In 2018, though, Drake released a music video for his song, I'm Upset, featuring many members of Degrassi The Next Generation. Which of the following cast members were suspiciously absent? A, Ryan Cooley, a.k.a. JT. B, Sarah Bearable Tischler, a.k.a. Liberty. C, Andrea Lewis, a.k.a. Hazel. JT? That's correct. JT was not in the video. Bonus point. Why do you think JT wasn't in the video? Oh, good question. Um, I mean, I can't imagine there's, like, beef with JT, but could there be? JT didn't go because he thought it was a scam. Oh, no! (laughs) Guys, that is exactly why Canada is a simulation. Because (laughs) only in this country would you have been like the star of a huge teen show but then be so wary of being scammed as an adult right, exactly that you wouldn't go be in drake's music video exactly exactly so amil yes i mentioned earlier how something i love about degrassi is the fact that you often have within one episode A B-plot that is, like, the most ridiculous, sheer goofiness that you've ever seen on television. And an A-plot that's, like, this meaty, substantive, issue-of-the-week storytelling plot. And we spent some time sitting in what I call, like, B-plot territory tonally. So I want us to really pivot to discussing some of the A-plot material because it's really, really heavy. And I want to discuss whether the show covered it successfully or not. Right. So now we're going to do some deep reflection on Degrassi. This is a show that claimed to go there. I'm doing the air (laughs) quotes. But we want to take a few of the topics the show covered and ask, did it really go there? And what would it look Mm -hmm. like for, for this show or any other show too? I got to pull the air quotes back up. Go there. Exactly. Go there. What does it mean? (laughs) What does it look like? And did Degrassi really manage to do that? Mm. Okay. So first category, teen pregnancy, does it go there? So in the Degrassi lore, there's an episode that is missing from the American canon. And it's the episode where Manny has an abortion. Like, it just wasn't available in America. I remember having to go onto, like, LimeWire and waiting overnight for it to download and then watching it. But in this clip, we have Manny and her best friend, Emma, and she's telling her that her mom's going to drive her to the clinic to get the procedure done. I'm getting an abortion. You can't. Look, I know you think it's wrong. 
And your child would too. I'm just trying to do the right thing here. For me. I wouldn't want to give a baby some crappy life with a mom who isn't ready. Yeah, well, at least it would have a life. What about adoption? There are agencies with great counselors. I know, but I can't go through giving birth. So terrifying. And then going to school huge and everybody knows about it? You can get through all that. I can't. I swear. I'm 14. Ooh. That's wild. I mean, first of all, is Emma on the Supreme Court? Like, can you calm down? Huge cop energy. Huge cop energy. What is so amazing about this show is how layered this story is because, you know, Emma is the result of a teen pregnancy, right? Right. So she's internalizing this situation really, really heavily. Exactly. And makes it immediately about herself, um, which how could you not? You know, so it's it's actually does feel very authentic that that would be her initial knee-jerk reaction. I think mm-hmm. um, it's extra harsh coming from someone so young who has no clue about what it would take to actually raise a child. And and, and is who, who's supposed to be her best friend. Who's supposed to be her best friend. And I think Manny is like so vulnerable and so obviously, you know, making the right decision for her. And I would be so gutted if my best friend reacted like that. Especially at that age. Yes. Like when your best friend's opinions mean so much, you so know? So much. And you want her there. This is like the hardest, biggest, wildest decision of your life. And you need your friend to support mm-hmm. you. It's crazy that, like, literally, as a nation, we're having this conversation right now. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, the saddest thing that is actually going to, like, break my heart right now is that it's probably worse now right. for a right. teenager to go through this than it was when this show, when the show was, was filmed. On. Right? That's crazy. That's gutting. So, man, this show goes there. It went there. It went there. So, we're in a heavy place. Let's just see it through, Emil. <laughs> like... <laughs> Sexual violence, does it go there? So stupid. It's not stupid. Those shoes, I wanted it to work. I wanted him to want to be with me. He did. Sure. He'll call you. You don't have to get so upset. I didn't even want to do it, Hazel. I said no over and over. You said no? And he didn't listen? Paige. Honey. If you said no, that's rape. I mean, damn. I believe it's called Shout, the episode where Paige is sexually assaulted at a party, and it really informs her storyline. But I just felt like I had never seen anything like that on television, even though I've watched every single teen drama that there ever was. But there was just something so authentic, which made it gut-wrenching and made it like arresting and heart-stopping about that whole portrayal. And I thought, you know, the actress that plays Paige was so fantastic as well in just conveying all the different emotions that come with something like that. So for me, it's like... It just did something that was so powerful and different. I just remember how intentional it felt. Like, one of the things that I do think Degrassi did well at the end of the day was that it kind of knew that these topics were a little bit uneasy and really tried to be intentional about the way that it introduced it to a young audience. Yes. You know? Yes, I totally agree. The reason that I would vote that it goes there for this clip is because of 
the power that comes with the ability to name something. Like when you go through an experience and you're not able to put a word to it and someone then gives you the word for you to be able to contextualize it, that's such a transformative moment and such an educational moment for them to display for this young audience. Yeah, I agree with you. It went there, it goes there. And for Hazel to be able to say, no, that was rape. I think so many young people have had similar conversations, not necessarily to that degree, but where they're just not sure because you don't have experience. You don't know what all of these things are supposed to look and feel like because you're doing them for the first time. First time. <laughs> and it <laughs> really, so hard. Like, it's so hard. And you need someone to reflect that back to you and help you get there a lot of the time because you're just not sure what's normal and yeah. just thinking of back to all the conversations I've had with my own friends where you're like, was this normal? Like, was that right? Is that okay? And Am like, I crazy? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Very powerful. Next. Queerness. Does it go there? You just walked out on a date with one of the grassy's coolest girls for your mom's pasta sauce? It doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. So we see Spinner and Marco. Spinner's super mad at Marco because he walked out on his date with Hazel. Then stop crying and explain it to me because obviously I'm a moron and don't get yeah, it. Because, man. Because what? Because I'm gay. Spinner's giving him a real hard time about it and he finally just comes out and says, I'm gay. And I mean, okay, being a teen watching that, I think it really, like, wrongly informed how I just assumed everyone came out, which is that they were, right. like, basically forced out of the closet in a yeah. wacky sitcomish situation mm-hmm, where it's, like, mm-hmm. go on a date with a woman and then eventually, like, you'll tearfully and very shamefully admit, like, okay, fine, I'm gay. Right, right. It just made me think, and I'm sure it made a lot of people think, like, that coming out was always this, like, very horrible for situation. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, it, absolutely coincides with the narratives of coming out at the time. Like, when it was very common to see a magazine cover and it's like, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody being blackmailed into coming out in the public, you know? Mm -hmm. I just remember watching this as a queer child and being like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it wasn't instructive at all. Like, I wasn't like... I'm going to, like, tearfully come out to one of the most macho friends that I have. Like, that's not what's going to happen. I did feel seen a little bit by Marco being there. Mm -hmm. And especially his relationship with Dylan afterwards. I just thought you should know that there's uh, someone I like. Oh, I mean, I understand I'm too short, too young, too girly. (laughs) And way too hard on yourself. Are you messing with me? Guilty as charged. You're such a jerk. Hey, take it easy. <laughs> haven't even asked you out yet. So, tonight, you want to see that zombie movie or uh, will it freak you out? Yeah, a little. But I want to. Good. Good. So it's a date. It was really revolutionary for me to see two queer teenagers in high school like everyone else. You know what I mean? Yes. But the handling of the coming out made it look like coming out was always this thing that was like tied to trauma and sadness and fear. And while 
it's still difficult for a lot of queer kids to come out. One of the main things that's changed is that we have a lot more varied representation of the coming out process and of queer people in TV. So like when you're watching this clip of Marco coming out to Spinner, it's hard not to look at it with today's frame with like a euphoria light on it, right? Like Yes. And with that purple light, it just kind of looks funny. Yeah. It is the most obviously dated clip that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> most dated until race. Does it go there? <laughs> obviously, Back Issue is a show where we frequently cover race and blackness in particular. And Degrassi tends to like shy away from exploring race and racism. Like, it just kind of paints Canada as this post-racial, multicultural utopia. That is until this one episode that happens post-9-11. You have Hazel, who is Somali, but is pretending to be Jamaican. Hazel Aden. So, you're Jamaican. What was your first clue? Just Aden, not really a common name. Maybe in Somalia. Funny thing is, you sort of look Somalian, too. Really? But well, why don't you mind your own business, Frieza, before Jamaica declares war in Iraq? And Hazel, in this episode, is being, like, really mean to the hijabis in her school. But you guys want a real fashion crime? Do you think there may be bald under there? <laughs> Do you think maybe you're just a bit ignorant? You're under arrest. Crime terrorist chic. Boy, oh boy. Do you remember this episode? Now that we've seen the clip, I it does take me back to that episode. Everything you're saying about the post-racial kind of utopia is certainly something that Canada tries to present to the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that a lot of white people specifically hold up as, you know, something that sets us apart from America, or, you know, something that we should be really proud of. And obviously there's mm-hmm. a very painful colonial history, there's a very painful current divide and and struggle with getting marginalized communities to feel empowered. And people still don't want to have that conversation because it's Canada, you know, right. it's, uh, it's a mosaic. That's a word that I heard a lot growing up, okay? A salad. <laughs> but obviously on the surface you have, you know, yes, post 9-11 microaggressions and just aggression, aggressions against Muslims, especially anyone who was hijabi or, you know, could be clocked very easily. Um, You know, it certainly happened to me when I was growing up and is something that you lived in fear of. And, you know, that that's a very real sentiment. But I think what the, the second layer of it with Hazel denying where she's from You can see how Degrassi wants to have this conversation, but they don't know how. And I'm sure it speaks to a writer's room that's probably very white, that doesn't have any experience either with blackness, with Islam, that that just doesn't know, but feels like they have to have this conversation because it's historically, even going back to the old school Degrassi, been a topic that they've always struggled to, to handle well. It's just really interesting to me that in this story where they're trying to tackle racism, the racism is internal. It's not something that's coming from the society that she lives in. Mm -hmm. It's her own issue. It's her problem. In fact, Ashley, the white girl, is like, y'all are ignorant. Do you think maybe you're just a bit ignorant? She's a good person in this this situation in the plot, right? Yes, that's so interesting. It's such an interesting way to avoid where the blame should actually go. 
Well, Hazel has to be the one to to wear this, like you said, like that right. the white people are sort of the um They're progressive. The they're past it. They're yeah. they're they're okay with it. It's actually Hazel's problem. It's like, Hazel's what? problem. That is very wild. I mean, what do you think? Does this go there? Like where even is there in there, this episode? No, it does not go there. And when we asked Andrea Lewis, who plays Hazel in that scene we just heard, what she would change about Degrassi, she said... If there was anything that I would change about the series, it would be the diversity of the show. I would make sure that the characters of color, myself included, had prominent storylines, had uh, full lives, were real characters, and not just used as the token throughout the show. Wow. That's real. That was like a very powerful little moment, right? Because she said token, Mm -hmm. which means to me that she felt tokenized, that she felt her character was used to further the white actor's storylines, right? Hazel is a prop for Paige and her growth. And Hazel is a prop for, you know, somebody else's spinner's storyline or whoever's storyline to grow and progress. Really, the only storyline that I remember that was Hazel's is that 9-11 episode. Yes, exactly, which was horrific for all the people of color involved. (laughs) Right. We never got a chance to see her have, like, a dream and then, like, fulfill the dream. Or, like, have a want that was outside of herself and, like, either not get it or get it. But it was the episodes always hinged on somebody else's wants. Yes. I mean, like she said, we didn't get to have full lives. I just think that's so telling. And it says so much about what was going on behind the scenes with these actors who were just kids so they obviously did not feel empowered at the time to speak up but I'm just so relieved that it's not just a question of we were watching it and we felt it was wrong they were living it and they realized this is not okay and this doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. yeah it's a really refreshing thing to hear from someone involved with a show like that because they don't often feel comfortable challenging the show that they were on and another thing just besides the point I was on YouTube during the natural hair movement with everybody else trying to figure out how to do, like, two-strand twists. And Andrea Lewis, who has amazing hair, used to have this series, and she talked about how on Degrassi she always wore that headband because there wasn't someone there to do her hair. (laughs) Like, there wasn't someone there that understood how to work with the texture of her hair. I showed up to set like that on my very first day of filming. And the hair and makeup team was just like, cool, great, stay like that. Like, that's it. We don't have to do anything. That's a lot of what happens to Black actors. You just don't want to touch you, honestly. I don't know why, but that's just, that's a whole other conversation. I wonder what the experience was like to not feel fully fleshed out in story, in character, but even, like, when you arrive on set as a person. Yes, hair and makeup for people of color, like... We've only just started having that conversation, but when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I hosted a a TV show in Canada, super local. So embarrassing, but telling this story anyways. Ah. And the makeup artist never had the right foundation for my skin tone. So Mm. I would always end up on TV completely ghost-like, whitewashed. They just had pink, white makeup. And they never went out and bought the proper foundation for the host of the show. They just put me in white face. You know, it just goes so deep when you feel like you are... Supposed aren't to be, even supposed to be here. You're not even supposed to be here, and we're yeah. not going to bother with the slightest of accommodations to make you feel comfortable right. or confident when you go on. And I just think, thinking about 
someone that young and vulnerable who is, is like coming trying into themselves to, as a teenager. Yes, right? and then be on TV and be confident mm. and be like starring in this huge show, and then for her to have to feel like, man, no one here even cares about me or yeah. wants to bother knowing how to do my hair. It's just sad. It's sad. It's sad, especially on a show where. If you looked at it, you would think that diversity was its strength. Exactly. Because they have one character that's everything, but it's like, we're not even ready for this conversation, but diversity, it goes beyond representation. Exactly. Oh, my God. I mean, the word token is right there, right? Exactly. It does not go there. We've unpacked a lot. Like, it's really interesting how these scenes are so ingrained in my brain Even after having not seen them for, like, 20 years or whatever, I still was, like, mouthing every word. (laughs) (laughs) It is surprising that, similarly, I have not watched in a very, very long time and immediately was just like, can I see the whole episode? Like, why are you just giving me the clip? Let's go back. Exactly, exactly. Once again, this is Andrea Lewis, who played Hazel on Degrassi. When I think about where Hazel would be now in 2022, I get this question a lot. Uh, I especially get this question with my friend Christina Schmidt, who played Terry on Degrassi. And we always say we definitely think Hazel and Terry are still friends to this day. I think that Hazel is actually a lawyer and works with people who are underrepresented, works with people who need a lot of help. I think that she found her voice and that she, uh, that she does something where she gets to really speak up. So Mill. So Josh. It's time to ask you the traditional question that we ask on this show, brought to us by perhaps the only person whose dramatic energy matches Degrassi. (laughs) I'm, of course, talking about the patron saint of this podcast, the one and only Miss Tyra Banks. (laughs) And the question is, did we learn something from this? I mean, how could I possibly say no? Of (laughs) Of course I learned something from this. What did you learn? I think the number one thing that I take away from Degrassi as a series going all the way back to when I was a child is just that kids are capable of so much more than we allow them. They are so attentive and thoughtful and curious. And we don't have to be so wary of talking about sensitive issues with them because they can handle it. Not only can they handle it, but I think that they can articulate so much more than even we can as adults sometimes. Yeah. And I just think it's a really good reminder being on on the other side of it now is like you don't have to be afraid of like going there Mm -hmm. with kids. They want to go there and they are going to actually push you to to go even further than you thought you could go. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, people are afraid to introduce lots of different topics for lots of different reasons to this sort of age group. Like, I'm thinking of all the books that Mm -hmm. they're banning in America and, like, all the conversations around race and gender. And I'm like, should we have just taken a a page from Canada and put Degrassi on in grade six? Is that what we should have done? I mean, I've learned so much from you, Josh, just in your insights Mm -hmm. in this episode. But exactly. You know, if you think about what we've learned from this show 
from when we were kids to just like the very real implications for what is not being taught at schools and what is being shielded from young kids. They need Degrassi more than ever. I mean, oh my God, it's like, let's get a secret chat room with with all the (laughs) teens of America and just play these episodes for them. Exactly. I think that's the thing that was the weirdest experience for me looking back at these episodes was like with back issue with this show we look back at a lot of pop culture moments and a lot of times it feels like there's a proper amount of distance between them it's like oh yeah that does feel like it was like 15 years ago but a lot of these conversations like we were talking about with Manny and the abortion episode or like Paige and her episode it's like these topics don't feel as far as they should Yes. You know, it's actually quite sad how how close they feel. Yes. And, you know, I can't help but think because trans rights are under attack. LGBTQ mm. rights are under attack. Obviously, access to health care, voting, voting rights. rights, abortion access. And I just think a show like this, a new, new generation would feel mm-hmm. so necessary and so relevant and so important. But you could also just go back to next generation and feel like, wow, right. this this 100% speaks to me today. I think you could use this as an amazing platform to reintroduce this world to to young people. Uh, put it in the curriculum. Degrassi, the next, next, next generation. I mean, if, if everyone's using TikTok as a search engine, why not use Degrassi as like a textbook for learning? A word! <laughs> Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. I'm the host and senior producer, Josh Gwynn. Back Issue was created by myself and Tracy Clayton. Our producers are Janelle Anderson, Zandra Allen, and Ari Saperstein. Our editors are Leela Day and Emmanuel Hapsis. Our managing producer is Bria Mariette. Our executive producer is Leela Day. And our intern is Noah Camuso. Today's episode was produced by Zandra Allen and edited by Emmanuel Hapsis. Our sound engineers include Sharon Bardales, Davey Sumner, Jade Brooks, Marina Pais, Pedro Avira, and Raj Makija. Art designed by Cadence 13 and original music by Raj Makija and Donwell. Executive producers for Pineapple Street Studios are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Regarding Josh. You can follow the show Instagram at Back Issue Podcast, and you can use the hashtag Back Issue Podcast if you're still on Twitter, because you sound like a dangerous individual, and I like you. Sit next to me. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, tell everybody. It really does help. And especially if you leave a review. I'll see you next week. <laughs>